0: Hey everyone, it's Storytime with Aussie Dad, and today we're reading the third book of the Diary of a Wimpy Kid series called The Last Straw. Just get to the page, there we go. January, New Year's Day. You know how you're supposed to come up with a list of resolutions at the beginning of the year to try to make yourself a better person? Well, the problem is, it's not easy for me to think of ways to improve myself, because I'm already pretty much one of the best people I know. So this year, my resolution is to try and help other people improve. But the thing I'm finding out is that some people don't really appreciate it when you're trying to be helpful. I think you should work on chewing your potato chips more quietly. That's what, As picture, that's what Greg's saying to his mum. One thing I noticed right off the bat is that the people in my family are doing a lousy job sticking to their New Year's resolutions. Mum said she was going to start going to the gym today, but she spent the whole afternoon watching TV. And Dad said he was going to go on a strict diet. But after dinner, I caught him out in the garage stuffing his face with brownies. Even my little brother Manny couldn't stick with his resolution. This morning he told everyone that he's a big boy and he's giving up his pacifier for good. Then he threw his favourite binky in the bin. A binky is a blanket. Well, that New Year's resolution didn't even last a full minute. The only person in my family who didn't come up with a resolution is my older brother Roderick, and that's a pity, because his list should be about a mile and a half long. So I decided to come up with a program to help Roderick be a better person. I called my plan Three Strikes and You're Out. The basic idea was that every time I saw Roderick messing up, I'd mark a little X on his chart. Well, Roderick got all three strikes before I even had a chance to decide what You're Out meant. Anyway, I'm starting to wonder if I should just give up my resolution too. It's all the work. And so far, I haven't really made any progress. Besides, after I reminded mum for like the billionth time to stop chewing her potato chips so loud, she made a really good point. She said, Everyone can't be as perfect as you, Gregory. And from what I've seen so far, I think she's right. Thursday Dad has given this diet thing another try and that's bad news for me. He's gone about three days without eating any chocolate and he's been super cranky. The other day after Dad woke me up and told me to get ready for school, I accidentally fell back asleep. Believe me, that's the last time I make that mistake. Part of the problem is that Dad always wakes me up before Mum's out of the shower so I know that I still have like 10 more minutes before I need to get out of bed for real. Yesterday, I came up with a pretty good way to get some extra sleep time without making Dad mad. After he woke me up, I took all my blankets down the hall with me and waited outside the bathroom for my turn in the shower. Then I lay down right on top of the heater vent, and when the furnace was blowing, the experience was even better than being in bed. The problem was, the heat only stayed on for about 5 minutes at a time, so when the furnace wasn't running, I was just lying there on this cold piece of metal. This morning, while I was waiting for Mum to be done with her shower, I remembered someone gave her a bathrobe for Christmas, so I went into her wardrobe and got it. Let me just say, that was one of the smartest moves I've ever made. Wearing that thing was like being wrapped in a big fluffy towel that just came out of the dryer. In fact, I liked it so much, I even wore it after my shower. I think Dad might have been jealous he didn't come up with the robe idea first, because when I came to the kitchen table, he seemed extra grumpy. I tell you, women have the right idea with this bathrobe thing. Now I'm wondering what else I'm missing out on. I just wish I'd asked for my own bathrobe for Christmas, because I'm sure mum is going, to give, uh, is going to make me give hers back. I struck out on gifts again this year. I knew I was in for a rough day when I came downstairs on Christmas morning, and the only presents in my stocking were a sticker deodorant and a travel dictionary. I guess once you're in middle school, grown-ups decide you're too old for toys or anything that's actually fun. But then they still expect you to be all excited when you open the lame gifts they get you. Most of my gifts this year were books or clothes. The closest thing I got to a toy was a present from Uncle Charlie. When I unwrapped Uncle Charlie's gift, I didn't even know what it was supposed to be. It was this big plastic ring with a net attached to it. Uncle Charlie explained that it was a laundry hoop for my bedroom. He said I was supposed to hang the laundry hoop on the back of my door and it would make putting away my dirty clothes fun. At first I thought it was a joke, but then I realized Uncle Charlie was serious. So I had to explain to him that I don't actually do my own laundry. I told him I'd just throw my dirty clothes on the floor and Mum picks them up and takes them downstairs to the laundry room. And a few days later everything comes back to me in nice folded piles. I told Uncle Charlie he should just return the laundry hoop and give me cash so I could buy something I'd actually use. That's when Mum spoke up. She told Uncle Charlie she thought the laundry hoop was a great idea. Then she said that from now on, I'd be doing my own laundry. So basically, it ends up that Uncle Charlie got me a chore for Christmas. It really stinks that I got such crummy gifts this year. i put in a lot of effort bothering people up for the past few months and I thought it would pay off on Christmas. Now that I'm responsible for my own laundry, I guess I'm kind of glad I got a bunch of clothes. I might actually make it through the whole school year before I run the other clean stuff to wear. Monday. When me and Riley got to our bus stop today, we found a nasty surprise. There was a piece of paper taped to our street sign and it said that, effective today, our bus route was rezoned, and what that means is now we have to walk to school. Well, I'd like to talk to the genius who came up with that idea, because our street is almost a half a kilometre from the school. Me and Rowley had to run to make it the school on time today, and what really stunk was when our regular bus passed us by and it was full of kids from Whirly Street, the neighbourhood right next to ours. The Worley Street kids made monkey noises when they passed us, which was really annoying because that's exactly what we used to do when we passed them. I'll tell you one reason it's a bad idea to make kids walk to school. These days, teachers give you so much homework that with all the books and papers you have to carry home, your backpack ends up weighing like 100 pounds. And if you want to see what kind of an effect that has on kids over time, all you have to do is look at Roderick and some of his friends. Speaking of teenagers, Dad scored a pretty big victory today. The worst teenager in our neighbourhood is this kid named Lenwood Heath, and he's kind of like Dad's archenemy. Dad has probably called the cops on Lemwood Heath about 50 times. I guess Lenwood's parents got sick of his act because they sent him off to military academy. You'd think that would have made Dad pretty happy, but I don't think he'll be satisfied until every teenager on the planet gets sent off to juvenile hall or something, and that includes Roderick. Yesterday, Mum and Dad gave Roderick some money to buy books so he could study for the SATs, but Roderick spent the money on a tattoo instead. I've still got a little time before I turn into a teenager, but the minute I do, I guarantee your dad will be looking for the first chance to ship me out. Monday. For the past week or so, Manny has been getting out of bed every night and coming downstairs. Instead of putting him right back to bed, Mum lets Manny sit with us and watch TV. It's really not fair, because when Manny is with us, I'm not allowed to watch any of the shows I like. All I can say is, when I was a kid, there wasn't any of this getting out of bed stuff. I did it once or twice, but Dad put a stop to it real quick. There was this book Dad used to read to me every night called The Giving Tree. It was a really good book, but the back of it had a picture of the author, this guy named Shel Silverstein. But Shel Shel Silverstein looks more like a burglar or a pirate than a guy who should be writing books for kids. Dad must have known that picture kind of freaked me out, because one night after I got out of bed, Dad said, If you get out of bed again tonight, you'll probably run into Shel Silverstein in the hallway. That really did the trick. Ever since then, I still don't get out of bed that night, even if I really need to use the bathroom. I don't think Mum and Dad read Manny any Shel Silverstein's books, which probably explains why he keeps getting up after they put him to bed. I've heard some of the stories Mum and Dad read to Manny, and let me just say that the people who write these books really have a racket going. First of all, there are hardly any words in them so I'm sure it only takes about five seconds to write one. Silly bear yawning, silly bear sad, silly bear sleeping, silly bear glad. The end. I told mum what I thought of Manny's books, and she said that if they were so easy to write, then I should try writing one myself. So that's exactly what I did. Trust me, it wasn't hard either. All you have to do is make up a character with a snappy name, and then make sure the character learns a lesson at the end of the book. Now all I need to do is mail this thing off to a publisher and wait for the money to start rolling in. This is Greg's book. Wise Up, Mr Shrop Sharp by Greg Hefley. Once upon a time there was this man named Mr Shrop Sharp who thought all these crazy thoughts. I don't know much, but I do know one thing. Polar bears are some useless animals. One day Mr Shrop Sharp took a ride in his car. Here I go. But then, oops. He drove off the cliff, by the looks of it, and into the water. And then, Mr. Shrupsharp, you will have drowned, but luckily, Tubuck here was sitting on an iceberg, and he saved your life. And so, before I said that polar bears are some useless animals, but now I can see that not every polar bear is so useless after all. The end. See what I mean? The only thing I noticed after I finished the book was that I forgot to make it rhyme but the publisher is going to have to pay me extra if they want that. Saturday. Well, after spending the last two weeks walking the school, I was really looking forward to relaxing and doing nothing for two days. The problem with watching TV on the Saturday is that the only thing that's on is bowling or golf. Plus, the sun comes through our sliding glass window, and you can barely see the TV screen anyway. Today I wanted to change the channel, but the remote was on top of the coffee table. I was all comfortable with my bowl of cereal in my lap, So I really didn't want to get up. I tried using the force to make the remote levitate to me, even though I've tried that a million times before and it's never worked once. Today I tried for about 15 minutes and concentrated really hard, but no luck. I just wish I'd known that Dad was standing right behind me the whole time. Dad told me I was going to have to go outside and get some exercise. I told Dad I exercise all the time. And just this morning I used the bench press he got me. But I should have come up with something more believable because it was pretty obvious that wasn't true. See, the reason Dad is on my case about exercise and all that is because he's got this boss named Mr. Warren. And Mr. Warren has three boys who are these crazy sports fanatics. Dad sees the Warren kids outside on their front lawn every day on his way home from work when his carpool goes by their house. So I think Dad is pretty disappointed every time he gets home and sees what his sons are up to. Anyway... Like I said, Dad kicked me out of the house today. I couldn't really think of anything I wanted to do, but then I had a good idea. Yesterday at lunch, Albert Sandy was telling everyone about this guy in China or Thailand or someplace who could jump six feet straight up in the air. No joke. The way the guy did it was by digging a hole that was three inches deep and then jumping in and out of it a hundred times. The next day, the guy doubled the size of the hole and he jumped in and out of that. By the fifth day, he was practically like a kangaroo. Some of the guys at my table told Albert he was full of baloney, but what he was saying made a lot of sense to me. Plus, I figured if I did what Albert said and then added a few days to the program, all my problems with bullies could be over. I got a shovel out of the garage and found a place in the front yard that looked like a good spot to dig. But before I could even get started, Mum came outside and asked me what I was up to. I told mum I was just digging a hole, but of course she didn't like that idea, so she came up with about 20 reasons why I wasn't allowed to do it. Mum told me it was dangerous to dig in the garden because of underground electrical lines and sewage pipes and stuff. And she made me promise up and down that I wouldn't dig any holes in our yard. So, I promised. Mum went inside, but then she kept watching me out the window. I knew I was going to have to take my shovel and go dig a hole somewhere else, so I headed up to Rowley's house. I haven't been going up to Raleigh's much lately, mostly because of Fregley. fregley has been spending a lot of time in his front yard, and sure enough, that's where he was today. My new strategy with Fregley is to just avoid eye contact and keep walking, and it seemed to do the trick today. When I got to Raleigh's, I told him my idea and how the two of us would practically be ninjas if we stuck with this hole-jumping program I planned out. But Raleigh didn't seem so hot on the idea, he said his parents might get angry if we dug a three-metre hole in his front yard without asking them, so he's going to have to get their permission first. Now if there's one thing I know about Rowley's parents is that they never like my ideas. I told Rowley we could just cover the hole up with a tarp or a blanket or something and put some leaves on top of it, and these folks would never even find out. That seemed to convince him. Okay, so I admit that Rowley's parents might eventually find out, but that wouldn't be for at least three or four months. Me and Rowley found a good spot in the front yard to start digging, but we ran into a problem right away. The ground was pretty much frozen solid, and we could hardly even make a dent. I spent a few minutes trying before I handed the shovel over to Rowley. He couldn't really make any progress either, but I gave him an extra long turn so he could feel like he was contributing to the project. Rowley got a little bit further than I did, but when it started to get dark out, he gave up. I guess we'll have to take another crack at this thing tomorrow. Sunday. Well, I thought about it a lot overnight, and I realised that at the rate me and Rowley are going, we're going to be in college before this hole is three metres deep. So I came up with a totally different idea for what we could do. I remembered this thing I saw on TV where scientists made a time capsule and filled it with a bunch of stuff like newspapers and DVDs and things like that. Then the scientists buried their time capsule in the ground. The idea was that in a few hundred years, someone will come along and dig it up, and they can learn how people from our time used to live. I told Rowley about my idea, and he seemed pretty enthusiastic about it. Mostly, I think he was just glad we weren't going to spend the next few years digging a hole. I asked Rowley to donate some items to put in the time capsule, and that's when he got cold feet. I told Rowley that if he put some of his Christmas presents in the time capsule, people in the future would get some really cool stuff when they opened the box. Rowley told me it wasn't fair because I wasn't putting any of my Christmas presents in the time capsule. So I had to explain to him that the people in the future would think we were really lame if they opened the box and it was filled with clothes and books. Then I told Rowley I'd throw in $3 of my own money to prove I was making sacrifices too. That seemed to be enough to convince him to fork over one of his new video games, and a couple of other things. I actually had a secret plan that I wasn't letting Rowley in on. I knew that putting the cash in the time capsule was a smart move, because that money is going to be worth a lot more than $3 in the future. So hopefully whoever finds a time capsule will travel back in time and reward me for making them rich. I wrote a little note and put it in the box, just to make sure the person who finds it knows exactly who to thank. To whom it may concern, the cash is from Greg Heffley, 12 Surrey Street. Me and Rowley found a shoebox and put all of our stuff in it. Then we sealed it up with some masking tape. I wrote a little note on the outside of the box to make sure it didn't get opened too soon. Time capsule. Do not open until time travel is possible. After that, we put it in the hole we dug yesterday and buried it as best we could. I kind of wish Raleigh had put some more effort to dig in the hole, because our time capsule wasn't really buried all the way. Hopefully nobody will mess with it, because it needs to stay there for at least a few hundred years. Monday. When my week got off to a rough start, When I got out of bed, Mum's bathrobe wasn't where it usually is, hanging on my doorknob. I asked Mum if she took the robe back, but she said she didn't. So I have a feeling Dad had something to do with it. A couple of days ago, I figured out a way to combine the bathrobe experience and the heating vent experience, and I don't think Dad really approved of my idea. I figure he either hid the robe or got rid of it. Now that I think of it, Dad made a run to the Goodwill bin last night after dinner, so that's probably not a good sign. Anyway, if Dad did get rid of the robe, it wouldn't be the first time he's thrown out someone's personal property. You know how Manny has been trying to stop using his pacifier? Yesterday morning, Dad got rid of every single one of Manny's binkies. Well, Manny totally freaked out. The only way Mum could get him to calm down was to dig out his old blanket, the thing he calls Tingy. Tingy started off as a blue blanket that Mum knitted for Manny's first birthday and it was love at first sight. Manny carried that thing around with him everywhere he went. He wouldn't even let mum take it away from him so she could wash it. It started falling apart and by the time Manny was two, his blanket was basically a couple of pieces of yarn held together by raisins and boogers. I think that's when Manny started calling his blanket Tingy. For the past couple of days, Manny's been dragging Tingy around the house just like he did when he was a baby and I've been trying to stay out of his way as much as possible. Wednesday I'm getting really tired of walking to school every day, so this morning I asked Mum if she would drive me and Raleigh. The reason I didn't ask her sooner is because Mum's car is covered in all these embarrassing bumper stickers, and kids at my school are brutal when it comes to that sort of thing. I've tried scraping the bumper stickers off, but whatever kind of glue they put on those things, it's meant to last until the end of time. One of the stickers is, my child is a graduate of Tender Cuddles Preschool. Today me and Rowley got a ride from mum, but I told her they let us out behind the school. Are you sure this is where I'm supposed to drop you off? Yep, thanks for the ride. Well, I made the dumb mistake of leaving my backpack in the car, so mum brought it, uh, mum brought it to me in fourth period, and of course she picked today to finally start going to the gym. It was just my luck too. Fourth period is the only time I have a class with Holly Hills, and I've been trying to make a good impression on her this year. I figure this incident probably set me back about three weeks. I'm not the only one who's trying to impress Holly Hills either. I think just about every boy in my class has a a crush on her. Holly is the fourth prettiest girl in the class, but the top three all have boyfriends, so a lot of guys like me are doing everything they can to get in good with her. I've been trying to come up with an angle to separate myself from the rest of the goobers who like Holly, and I think i finally figured it out. Humour. See, the kids in my class are like Neanderthals when it comes to jokes. To give you an idea of what I'm talking about, here's the kind of thing that passes for comedy at my school. You've got a picture of a boy tripping over another boy, and then him starts laughing at it. Ha ha ha. Anytime Holly's in the area, I make sure I use my best material. I've been using Rowley as my comedy partner, and I've actually trained him on a couple of pretty decent jokes. Rowley, whatcha doing? Greg. Eating chocolate? Rowley, where'd you get it? Greg, a doggy dropped it. Greg and Rowley, hee 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 The only problem is, Rowley's starting to get a little greedy about who gets to say what, so I don't know if this partnership is going to work out long term. Rowley, can I do the doggy dropped it part? Greg, um, I don't think so. <laughs> Friday, well I learned my lesson about getting a ride from mum, so I'm back to walking the school. But when I was heading home with Rowley this afternoon, I seriously didn't think I had the energy to make it up the hill to my house, so I asked Raleigh if he'd give me a piggyback ride. Raleigh didn't exactly jump at the idea, so I had to remind him that we're best friends, and this is the kind of thing best friends do for each other. He finally caved when I offered to carry his backpack for him. I have a feeling this was a one-time thing, though, because Raleigh was completely wiped out by the time he dropped me off at my house. You know, if the school's going to take away our bus ride home, the least they can do is install a ski lift on our hill. I've emailed the principal about five times with my suggestion, but I haven't heard anything back yet. When I got to my house, I was pretty tired too. My new thing is that I take a nap every day after school. In fact, I live for my naps. Sleeping after school is the only way I can really recharge my batteries, and on most days, the second I get home, I'm in bed. um, I'm actually kind of becoming an expert at sleeping. Once I'm out, I can sleep through just about anything. The only person I know who's better at sleeping than me is Roderick. And here's the reason I say that. A couple of weeks ago, mum had to order Roderick a new bed because he'd worn his out. So the furniture guys came to take his old mattress and box spring away. When they came, Roderick was in the middle of his after-school nap. So they took his bed away and he just slept on the floor right in the middle of his empty bed frame. The thing I'm worried about is that Dad is going to ban our after school naps. I'm starting to get the feeling he's sick of waking the two of us up for dinner every night. Tuesday. Well, I hate to admit this, but I think my naps are starting to have an effect on my grades. See, I used to do my homework when I got home from school, and then I watched TV at night. Lately, I've been trying to do my homework while I watch TV, and sometimes that doesn't work out too good. I had this four-page biology paper due today, but last night I kind of got caught up in this show I was watching, so I had to try to write the whole thing in the computer lab during recess today. I didn't have a lot of time to do any research, so I played with the margins and the font size to stretch what I had to four pages, but I'm pretty sure Miss Nolan is going to call me on it. This is what he wrote. Chimps, a four-page paper by Greg Heffley. This is a chimpanzee, or chimp for short. Chimps are the subject of the paper you're holding in your hand right now. (laughs) Chimps are supposed to be smart, but I'm not so sure that's true. Greg, get out of my way, chimp. Chimp, don't call me chimp. Greg, but you are one, chimp. Oh yeah. Well, it looks like I'm out of paper, so I guess this is the end. Yesterday, I actually got a zero on a quiz in geography. But in my defence, it was really hard to study for the quiz and watch football at the same time. To be honest with you, I don't think teachers should be making us memorise all this stuff to begin with. Because in the future, everyone is going to have a personal robot that tells you whatever you need to know. Uh, Older version of Greg. Robot, what's the largest estuary in the world? Robot, the Ob River in Russia. Older Greg. Thank you very much. Speaking of teachers, today Mrs. Craig was in a really bad mood. That's because the big dictionary that usually sits on her desk was missing. I'm sure someone just borrowed it and forgot to put it back, but the word Mrs. Craig kept using was stole. Mrs. Craig said that if the dictionary wasn't returned to her desk before the end of the period, she was keeping everyone inside for recess. Then she told us she was going to leave the room and that if the culprit returned the dictionary to her desk there wouldn't be any consequences and that there would be no questions asked. Mrs Craig made Patty Farrell class monitor and left the room. Patty takes her job as class monitor really seriously and when she's in charge nobody dares to step out of the line. I was just hoping the person who took the dictionary would hurry up and come clean because I had two two cartons of chocolate milk for lunch. Nobody did come forward, and sure enough, Mrs Craig stuck to her promise and kept us inside for recess. Then she said she was going to keep us inside every day until the dictionary was returned. Friday. Mrs Craig has kept us inside for the past three days and still no dictionary. Today, Paddy Farrell was sick, so Mrs Craig put Alex Arruda in charge of the room while she was gone. Alex is a good student, but people aren't afraid of Alex the way they are of Paddy Farrell. As soon as Mrs. Craig left the room, it was complete pandemonium. A couple of guys who were sick of getting stuck inside for recess every day decided to try and figure out who took Mrs. Craig's dictionary. The first person they interrogated was this kid named Corey Lamb. I think Corey was number one on the list of suspects because he's smart and he's always using big words. Corey fessed up to the crime in no time flat, but it turns out he only said he did it because the pressure made him crack. The next kid on the list was Peter Lynn, and before you knew it, Peter was confessing too. I figured it was just a matter of time before those guys guys cornered me, so I knew I had to think up something fast. I've read enough Sherlock Sammy books to know that sometimes it takes a nerd to get you out of a pinch, and I figured if anyone could crack this case, it was Alex Arruda. So me and a couple of other guys who were worried about getting hassled went over to Alex to see if he could help us out. We told Alex we needed him to solve the mystery of who took Mrs Craig's dictionary, but he didn't even know what we were talking about. I guess Alex had been so wrapped up in his book that he hadn't even noticed what had been going on around him for the past couple of days. Plus, Alex always stays inside to read during recess, so Mrs Craig's punishment hadn't had a big effect on his life. Unfortunately... Alex has ready share of Sherlock Sammy books too, so he said he would help us if we paid him five bucks. Well that was totally unfair, because Sherlock Sammy only charges a nickel. But me and the other guys agreed that was worth it, and we pooled our money, then forked over the five dollars. We laid out all the facts of the case to Alex, but we didn't know a whole lot. Then we asked Alex if he could get us pointed in the right direction. I expected Alex to start taking notes and spout some scientific mumbo-jumbo, But all he did was close the book he was reading and show the cover to us. And you're not going to believe this, but it was Mrs. Craig's dictionary. Alex said he'd been studying the dictionary to get ready for the state spelling bee next month. Well, that would have been nice to know before we gave him our five bucks. Anyway, there was no time to waste complaining, because Mrs. Craig was going to be back in the room at any second. Cory Lamb grabbed the book from Alex and put it on Mrs. Craig's desk but she walked in the room right at that moment. Aha! Mrs Craig ended up going back on her whole no consequences promise, so Corey Lamb is going to be spending the next three weeks inside during recess. Looking on the bright side, though, at least he'll have Alex Arruda to keep him company. And that's the end of part one. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it.